the army looks strong. <laughs> Everyone seems ready. <clears throat> Some people you hear on the news saying we're entering a dystopia, but actually it's the end of the dystopia. So it's really time to celebrate. And we must remember the chief mantra. What's the chief mantra, Don Rolando? What does it mean? Okay, very good. Do you know that to be true? All right. Now, if Don Rolando knows it, and he is the most recent arrival, <laughs> you all better know this and realize it. So about <clears throat> four or five days ago now, I don't remember exactly when, uh, my, my left foot suddenly got swollen and very painful, and uh, I couldn't walk up for morning meditations for the last number of days. And I asked Shiva, why, why would you give Shunya this symptom, you know? <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> it turned out not to be punishment, actually. Uh, but I was meant to stay home and be in very deep meditation and receive a number of uh, orders for the next phase. And uh, very important messages have come through that I will be sharing with you and that we'll be putting into place. So all of that was, uh, was necessary uh, for me to be immobilized and only be able to meditate and uh, I'm glad that uh, it happened and uh, it was pretty minor what's a toe really you know it's nothing so the other thing that uh, that uh, came to me is look in this situation people are going to be under a lot of pressure you're going to be stepping on each other's toes <laughs> you have to not mind it you have to not be in Maya over it. And if you step on somebody else's toe, apologize and let it go. Don't hold on to it. Okay? These things will happen during a crisis. We have to become uh, insult-proof. That's the, the grossest level of Maya, and we mustn't allow ourselves to be uh, affected by any glitches of miscommunication or, uh, or, or any other sorts of uh, apparent uh, um, stepping on each other's territory kinds of events, all right? In fact, it's time for us uh, to uh, let go of this uh, absurd idea of having territories, okay? We must learn to live in no territory. Even though our functions are specific and seem to have territories, but they will be shifting. Just like we talk about a dancing landscape, we'll be having a dancing uh, territory scape that we have to deal with. 
So I want everyone here to become an extraterritorial. <laughs> and uh, this is essential to uh, keep the love flowing because it's the divine love that creates the energy field that dissolves any negative thought forms, including viruses, because that's all they are. So, uh, so long as we understand that and we remain in Shivoham uh, and that we are uh, no longer in the belief that the world is real and we are fearless and we understand that this is part of God's plan and we'd never underestimate God's intelligence or his goodness uh, or uh, God's uh, capacity for offering protection to those who are in uh, resonance and accord and who are working for the uh, fulfillment of that plan, that story of God's. The one story that is true is Shiva's story, the divine play, the Leela. And it's, it's this Leela that's now reaching its uh, climactic moments. And so as we, uh, we enter into this period of exponential and radical shocks that are about to bring down uh, human civilization in its degraded form, thank you, uh, we, uh, we have to be completely detached from that, uh, that thought form of what is dying and allow the new to be born, and it must be born in our own hearts. And then the energy spreads from that uh, complete union with the source of the power of eternal life that is able to uh, overcome all of these uh, current uh, seemingly uh, difficult problems. But all that these are here for is to show that the great human species can be defeated by the tiniest little creature uh, ever uh, uh, brought into manifestation. And, and so it's the hubris, the arrogance of the human ego that is falling. And that means that the, the presence and power of God will become more and more visible, palpable, and uh, will be working uh, in the world to reveal the true source of life and of immunity uh, to negative energies and of the path that will be opened to a very beautiful future once the current um, degraded form of social organization has dissolved. So we have to be uh, completely detached and uh, unaffected by what is happening out there and to know that the archetype of the new world is, uh, you could say, centered in a community that is based on divine love, on wisdom, 
and on surrender to that higher intelligence that is the source of the Dharma and the, uh, the capacity for the fulfillment of the Tao, the flowing, spontaneous grace that all of us must be in, in that state of samadhi that remains constant whether the body is active or inactive, awake or asleep. So we are to learn to be in the Turiya state. And uh, in that state then it won't matter how the body is functioning because it will always be acting accurately in accord with the need of the moment. We must be completely disidentified from the physical organism. And if the ego gets out of the way, that is what enables the Shakti to enter and, uh, and be stepped down as prana that will create an auric field and electromagnetic energy that protects the body from negative forces of whatever kind. So it is very important that we maximize our meditative attention to extend throughout every moment of the day and night until that's our natural and only state and the oscillations between waking dream and deep sleep are, are simply something we witness from a, a changeless, blissful state of pure presence that is egoless, bodiless, and one with Shiva, one with the borderless field or ocean of consciousness that we are uh, part of and that we are the whole of. So it is this quantum sea of consciousness that we must now uh, realize our being as and therefore whatever choppy waves or tsunamis happen in that ocean are irrelevant. The ocean is not disturbed by any of its own movements because they happen within that motionless ultimate reality in which the apparent changes are all uh, simply uh, the, uh, the vibrations of the unfoldment of the, the complete realization of the infinite potentiality that that ocean contains. The ocean is not afraid of sharks and it's not afraid of anything else that might live temporarily in the ocean. It's not afraid of uh, any uh, arising or disappearing. So, so long as we are in that oceanic state of infinite consciousness, we will enjoy to the full the unfoldment of the extraordinary drama that is now underway. And by seeing it with the proper perspective as well as the proper energy, 
we will be able to precognitively understand what is about to unfold and we will have a spoilers alert uh, ahead of time to be able to respond uh, in, a, in an accurate way uh, before uh, anything would uh, take us by surprise in a negative way. Although there will always be miraculous surprises that emerge to delight us. And so let's practice in this time being in a state of astonishment, wonder, and delight. This is the main teaching of the Kashmir Shaivites, those uh, great sages who were uh, students of Shiva in the early, well, 8th, 9th, 10th centuries of this uh, Kali Yuga, who wrote extraordinary texts that understood exactly the, uh, the way that this would uh, unfold, that Shiva would come out of concealment into revelation. And all of this is happening in accord with the, uh, the wisdom of the ages that has uh, given us the, the complete understanding of each stage of this uh, transition from Kali Yuga to Sat Yuga. So, all is well, the plan is perfect, we are in the perfect place and in the perfect state of consciousness and there is absolutely nothing to be concerned about. In fact, we should not be thinking about anything except soham, aham, aham, shivoham. And let go of all attachments to anything that you might illusorily think is not Shiva. Because everything that is, is really only Shiva. Whether Shiva in disguise or openly, but there is nothing other. This holographic field, this play, this beautiful oceanic consciousness appearing as a phenomenal world is all happening within the mind of Shiva. And therefore, its reality is only in accord with that underlying real basis for all appearance and manifestation. So that's the basic message I wanted to make sure everyone uh, understands and is in alignment with, and that you recognize that we here have a particular function in this transition because of the knowledge that we have and the because of our ability to create an energy field consciously that will not merely protect <clears throat> the residents uh, of the ashram, That's, that would be selfish, but we want to create a tower of power that is so great that anyone who links to Shiva, and especially if they link via this beacon, uh, will be able to be pulled out of Maya pulled out of whatever hell realm of terror they might be in and, and brought safely into the light, wherever they might be. 
because time and space are illusory. We are all entangled particles uh, in this quantum sea, and every soul is able to receive the power of Shiva, and we are able to dispense it consciously from within the phenomenal plane. And that is our job, to send out that energy unconditionally for the help of all of those who are suffering. And those who receive enough of the energy, <clears throat> even if they have come down with the virus, the, it will be a mild case. But if the one is in real Atman consciousness, it can be uh, eliminated very easily. Unless it is time to check out. You know, God has a checkout room, just like we sometimes have. And uh, there are times when uh, God will offer to a soul to, uh, to check out early and avoid uh, future uh, situations of, of difficulty. And so uh, if someone does check out, it's also a blessing. It's not some tragedy. It's not some horror. Shiva's taking everyone to the light. No one will be left behind. And those who leave early, in a way, get to watch it from uh, above and uh, free of any bodily difficulties. However, you guys are not allowed to leave early. We have too much work to do. And no one's allowed to commit suicide anywhere. You can't check yourself out of this hotel. It's only God who can check you out. Otherwise, you're going to go around in a worse situation. So please surrender to the source of goodness and trust your destiny to that source, no matter how badly you think you're suffering. But use this opportunity of uh, being forced into a monastic isolation to meditate to such a level of intensity that you become bodiless and whatever pains are in the body won't even be felt. It's, it's doable. And the more faith and the more uh, resonance because of your heartful surrender to God that is going on, the less that you will care about what happens at the illusory physical level. We have to practice that now. And so all of us are being prepared to reach that state of liberation in life, jivan mukti, that is the essential, necessary state to be in. It's not a luxury. It's not something you can put off to another lifetime. It's now or never in this kalpa. Okay? We are not facing midterm exams. These are the finals. Final exams are the toughest. Okay? And you can only pass this set of exams if you are in alignment with the teacher with the one who is giving us these tests. And these tests will prove not only our loyalty to God and our own purity and goodness and understanding that there is only God and all the rest is illusion, but it will test our own compassion, 
our own wisdom, our own ability to surrender the ego's desire for any props, jouissance, uh, or, or the dependence on anything in the physical plane, whether it's a drug or it's a food or it, it's a, a certain kind of uh, experience uh, on a physical plane level, everything needs to be released. We, independence is what God wants for us. Swatantriya, Swarajya. This means we are to become sovereign over the mind and over the bodily needs. This is of extreme importance. And it's not just because of the situation today. This is the, the sadhana of yogis throughout the centuries. So let us become free of any lower chakra residual desires or fears. And if you have desire, there will be fear. And the fear will magnify if there is any. That's the virus you want to get rid of. Don't have any tendency toward fear of any kind. Certainly no, not fear of death. Once you know you are immortal and eternal and these bodily vehicles in any case are going to be traded in for a better model, don't worry about it. Be happy that it's, if it's that time to ascend. But even while the bodily vehicle is operating and functioning beautifully, realize you are not it and be in that state of the blissful bodiless consciousness in all of its vastness and intelligence so that that can be channeled through the body and used as a healing energy to help others, whether they're infected with a virus or just with terror or with uh, some other emotional disturbance, we are able to give them the kind of energy that will bring them to peace and serenity. So this is our work. And even though for the time being we are in isolation, it is only a phase in order for us to get to that level in which we can then invite people back for the next phase of this transition. But we must already have been completely finished with our own maya, with our own uh, attachment to the ego or any of its neediness that shows up in the form of some dependence, okay? So this is very important. And that includes the sense of dependence on food. So yogis have always been mandated to eat less than they think they need or want, okay? You should never leave the table feeling full, okay? A yogi should always eat only what you think is 75% of what you want, okay? And then you have to cut the want so that you, you, you are satisfied knowing 
that yogis live on shakti, not on uh, the vulgar uh, food of, of the gross physical plane, and eat only the purest, which we will hope to be able to provide for you, but eat, if you can, every day one bite less <laughs> than the day before. And if you do that, you will soon realize you're actually happier when you're not full, you're, you're actually, there's more of a flow in the body, there's less mucus, there's less time spent digesting and excreting and all the other things that the bodies are forced to do when they eat, and more time for meditation, and a much clearer and much more empowered consciousness will emerge out of this. Eventually, some of us will discover you're actually able to be a Shaktarian and, uh, and, and live on the vibrations of the Supreme Light. If you're able to take that in, harness it, and transmute it into the prana, you, you will find that you're able to do fine with very little and some even with no uh, physical nutrients because the real nutrition comes from there. But you can't force it. Don't try to do that prematurely. Don't become anorexic. I'm not saying that. But, uh, but eat only that which you are recognize is sufficient for your uh, health, but perhaps not for your appetite. Okay? We want to get to a point where we have no appetite for anything but Shiva. No appetite for anything but the blissful self. And if, if we eat, it's only because spontaneously the self wants that to happen. But it is not some desire from an ego. And, and so please uh, uh, cut back immediately on foods that are not uh, of the highest quality of nutrients and uh, of any food that you're only eating out of anxiety or uh, because you, you want that feeling of fullness. We want emptiness. This is the time of shunyata, okay? The emptiness that makes our consciousness a vehicle for the fullness of God, not the fullness of food. That's the transition that we have to make in our own psychic economy. And this is something that will require discipline and faith and love of God, and we will have to actually feel the energy in order to, to be able to send it flowing through the entire organism. So this is something that has to be a focus of our meditations until it's not a theory, but it's a realized truth uh, of how the consciousness is able to sustain itself at higher and higher levels of the reality of what this really is that we are engaged in, what we think of as a world that is actually something much more miraculous than a, a physical world of causality that requires you to ingest carbohydrates and proteins and all of that stuff. That's, that's for Kali Yuga thought forms. That's not for the real self. So 
as that happens, the, the, the power will increase at every level and you'll find your heart opening, your higher mind opening, and the, the center of control, the Agya Chakra, the center of command, will become activated and you'll be able to command the body and the mind to function in accord with the mind of God. And this will shift everything into a completely different dimension of the real than the one that the ego or even the soul uh, abides in. That may be the points that uh, I meant to deliver tonight. The key is silence. The key is inner silence and the dissolving of all of the ego's chatter, all of the worries of what's going to happen, complete presence and trust and faith, and you will receive whatever you need from within and from that karmic environment in which Shiva is acting in order to accurately bring about the outcomes that are desired by the Supreme One. So we are in a sea of consciousness and that sea is now in a storm state for the world out there. Kali Yuga is in chaos. The more chaos that Kali Yuga is in, the more calmness that we must be in. The differential between the world out there and the consciousness here must become significant and much more significantly different than it is at the moment. And that's what we have to achieve, a completely calm sea of consciousness here. And then we will be able to calm the seas of the larger planetary consciousness. Just as it is written in Breshit, Genesis, that the, 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 the waters of the lower firmament, God hovered over them, the face of God hovered over the waters and they became tohu vavohu, unformed and empty. The world that is now filled with chaos and forms will soon be unformed and empty. And then God will breathe new life into the quantum sea of consciousness and new forms will arise of a new world, a new age. But the book of Genesis is accurate when it is understood. The New Testament is accurate when it is understood. All of the various scriptures, but they need to be understood that they refer to this historic transition. This is the beginning of time. It's not the end. This is Breshit. This is the time of the next Genesis. It's not about destruction.
And so there must be an understanding of what the creation is, what it's about, and what role we are offered to play in the restoration of the world as God wants it now renewed as a kingdom of heaven, a paradise, a place of beauty and health and joy and love. And it is that that we are creating through our own willingness to let go of all the investments that will soon be worthless in this physical plane. And please understand, money will soon be worthless. Do with it the best karma you can do while it has some fictional value remaining. And uh, don't think that buying gold is a good idea. You can't eat gold and it won't protect you from viruses or anything else. Uh, it's, it's golden light that we need, and that golden light will be given in abundance to those who are surrendered to the source of that one treasure that is real. Okay, the floor is open if anyone has questions, comments, or... Anything you would like to share? Thank you for the um, for the teaching and uh, for for the context that you are offering now. But you have always offered it, so I feel now all the years of teaching <laughs> like finally fall into place. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, yesterday, I think or one day, um, someone was telling me. I think it was Trey. The risk we're suffering right now is that we'll become more healthy. <laughs> we're at risk of becoming more healthy because we'll have to maybe walk more, maybe eat less unhealthy, maybe meditate more. Like everything we're at risk right now is uh, is positive in a mm -hmm. sense, and yeah. and not to take advantage of that mm -hmm. to survive physically because this is irrelevant. But the the responsibility or the privilege that it is, mm -hmm. and. Uh, and that gives a lot more energy than anger. So mm -hmm. <laughs> finding a new fuel and, uh, and an understanding and peace that is all in God's plan and God's hand and, and it's pretty obvious for everyone right now. So I think that opening in the whole world too, mm -hmm. that surrender that is forced into people, like don't leave the house, don't do this, don't eat, I feel I can feel it somehow in the environment. Right? I don't know if it's me only, but mm -hmm. it feels different, mm -hmm. like a Sunday. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you're right. The curse of Kali Yuga is being lifted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, 
it feels joyful. It's not destruction. It's just mm -hmm. revelation. Yeah, that's right. And and it feels really nice. I know you've been saying all of that, but it's different to feel it than <laughs> to understand it. So uh, I'm very at peace also because the abundance of nature here, mm. like, yeah. yeah, there's nothing that we're lacking. And uh, and there's just many things to discover. Mm. So it's exciting. That's true. So All right, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Beautiful. you. Thank you for those lovely words, Duga. I appreciate that. And I agree that we have to start learning how to eat edible berries and other uh, herbs that we can find. And, uh, and, and that should be something that everyone becomes uh, uh, un uh, learned in so that we, we really are at home in nature here and know that there's plenty of, uh, of food for us if we, if we need it in the wild. Okay, thank you. And we don't need much, let's, so let's not even you know, try to emphasize that. The other aspect about being healthier is it's true, but don't try to overdo the exercise either. I think that's how I hurt my foot, actually. I was feeling so good that I thought, oh, okay, I can do another loop. And uh, <laughs> I, I walked too many of them. And so uh, don't, uh, don't injure yourself by overdoing the exercise. It's the yoga exercise that we want, the exercise of Raja Yoga, becoming master over the consciousness. And then the body will do just the right amount, and you'll do it mindfully, and there'll be no injuries. Because please, we don't want to have to send anyone to a clinic for any reason for the next period of time that is indefinite. And so uh, be very careful uh, in everything that you do in, in work and uh, in uh, in, in any uh, relating to any potential danger. Okay. All right. Anyone else? I guess on that point of um, being careful and and relating to work. I feel like right now I'm really having to relate differently or, or be able to step out of the perspective that I have held on, on my own responsibility and my own uh, the pressure I put on myself in order to perform in a particular way in regards to working. And I would like to ask your your guidance on how how to relate to what appears like a lot to do and um, how to with ease uh, delegate and allow it to unfold without making it a, a pressure upon oneself. Well, tell me how you pressure yourself. What are the thoughts that cause your pressure? Well, that, I, that it has to be perfect, for one. Okay, well, there's one to let go of. <laughs> okay, you do your best and you don't worry about it. Perfection is not possible within this plane, at least not perfectionism, all right? Whatever you do uh, with the right intention and giving it your, your all at the moment, but without concern for the outcome 
or for how it looks, that is being perfect, okay? And you should always be able to delegate without guilt or without a sense of I'm giving them too much or not enough, all those kinds of worries. Just spontaneously uh, delegate to what seems accurate and if it's not, that will soon be readjusted and you don't need to worry about it. Don't take over responsibility. Let everyone you're delegating to be responsible for what they're doing and don't try to keep control and micromanage. That goes for all departments, okay? Let, let everyone who has already been practiced in what they're doing uh, go for it. And then if they have doubts or questions, of course, they should come to whoever's supervising. And if necessary, if there's a real question, it goes up the chain of command and it's determined uh, at the level that is needed. But uh, everyone should uh, feel like you are able to be uh, in control of, not control egoically, but able to flow with what you're doing and to uh, trust yourself. So uh, you have to be able to confer that on to all who are working with you, okay? Beautiful, thank you. I feel like that by practicing that, then everyone feels that same certainty and that same confidence. Mm -hmm. I think everyone here is gung-ho. They're on board, they understand the situation that we have to become very self-dependent and, and interdependent in that sense. We, we all depend on everyone else's functions and, uh, and we're doing this as a super organism, not as separate beings wanting to show off their perfect or, or get approval or any of that. We're do, doing this just for the general whole and we know that Shiva sees everything and we don't need anyone else to see uh, what a perfect job we did. So we, we do what is necessary, what is accurate, but, uh, but we, we also save our energy when necessary and we uh, do everything in a meditative state without effort. Wu Wei is the key, all right? Thank you, Shunya. Thank you. Um, thank you. That was a beautiful teaching. Very, very useful, and very. I can relate to everything you said because these past days have been particularly intense, mm. at least for for no, this I'm being. Sure they have. And uh, and that's part of my question is precisely um, how how does one? It, it's a question and it's a comment. I find a challenge and. and and yet I've had to do it, which is to literally just flow with whatever is coming mm -hmm. and trust, I guess, I don't know if it's intuition, I would like to think it's precognitive, but it just mm -hmm. happens in the moment and you just accept what's happening mm -hmm. and you respond to it mm -hmm. without having precisely fear mm -hmm. or a desire for an outcome mm -hmm. that perhaps uh, you wish to have. and. Uh, I think I was sharing with you that something that happened in the middle of this, my internet goes off. Mm. Uh, and it, you know, even my hotspot on my cell phone, I can't communicate with the rest. I've had mm. to come in and work here at the lodge, right? Ise, mm. the local company, comes and tries to fix it. They've sent three teams. They can't figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. 
And so there's a moment where, yes, there was a, a frustration that just, uh, oh my gosh, I mean, this is the last thing I need. And yet, finally, um, what happened was that the head of the team of telecommunications came and we had just discussed that we have to make sure that all our fiber optics is working to the tops and to have someone to come and fix it because if we're going to rely on having live streams and sharing all our teachings via the internet, we cannot afford to be without connection. And as I'm for hours and hours in, you know, as in, in my house in SN5 trying to uh, fix this, we start having a conversation and he ends up being uh, the guy who knows the most and he's available to come and consult and teach us and, um, and train us. Mm -hmm. And he's also available on weekends and for emergencies. So <laughs> here I am in the middle of the mm -hmm. kitchen just thinking, I can't believe it's been three hours, this guy's here, I have so much mm -hmm. to do. I've been a week without internet, mm -hmm. and just by having a, a nice conversation and mm -hmm. you know, kind of trying mm -hmm. to flow with what's mm -hmm. happening, yes. it was a, a God sent, a Shiva sent uh, gift, and he's delighted. He loves that yoga. He recognizes there's peace here. He wants to help, and he's available Saturdays, Sundays, and at night. <laughs> okay. Beautiful. So I just wanted to share that mm -hmm. because. Um, it was a, a great lesson for me of, of, I mean, I did flow. There was a moment where I just said, okay, let's just uh, sit and chat while we wait for whatever the signal to come <coughs> or not. Mm -hmm. And that's when this little miracle yeah. appeared. Yeah. And we had no clue a few days before we were speaking with, with Jagdish and Rolo, what are we going to do with fiber optics? You know, we're dependent on this. So anyways, I wanted to share that. And my question is, about the uh, dancing landscape precisely. And you use another metaphor, I can't remember right now. But um, yeah, it's kind of, the, kind of the water, if you wish, the water quality of this flow. And you just adapt. And you know, if there's a curve, you go on the curve, and, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. If you had any other thoughts on, on, on what to do, you know, did you stop, breathe, <laughs> invoke Shiva? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I think it would be useful because I feel that many of us, and I, I do want to speak on, on uh, in, in a way what's related to my job, things are going to change in the next few days. We, we, we're making decisions day by day, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I so appreciate you talk about that because today we might be doing this, tomorrow we'll be asked to be doing that, and whatever is needed. We need everyone on board to do whatever needs to ha happen, right, mm -hmm. and to change and so I, I wanted to ask you, how can we approach this, um, let's say, this uh, ch constant change that we need to do to adapt while we're in this chaotic transition in the best way possible? Mm -hmm. That's my question. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not a chaos, it's a dance. It's, it's a dance. It's a lila. It looks like a chaos. That's right. <clears throat> so what you uh, shared is a perfect example of how Shiva works, okay? <laughs> He will first test you, he'll make it look impossible, and then the solution will come that is more wonderful than if the glitch hadn't happened, mm -hmm. you see? And, and that will give us other potentialities that wouldn't have shown up except for this kind of a situation. And so everything that happens is gonna be like that, okay? So as long as we understand that and we say, okay, this didn't happen as an accident. It's not bad karma. Shiva is working here. Let's see how this unfolds. 
And if one is able to flow with it, as you say, then the result is always going to be much more positive than you could have brought about in any other way. So trust that and, uh, and know that, yes, it, when, when you are actually uh, stumped and you feel uh, like you can't move forward and, and you're in a, a situation where there is a, a, a sense of uh, stalemate, let's say, like, like there, there, there is nothing you can do, uh-huh. all right, then that means you're not to do anything. Mm-hmm. You sit and you meditate, and the, the shift will happen, mm-hmm. okay? And there, there's a, uh, a principle in chess called tsugtsvang, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it happens in certain uh, positions in which uh, any move that someone makes makes their position worse, right? And so they don't want to have to move. In chess, you have to move. That's the problem. If you're in Sugtzwang, you're, you're screwed. So, uh, but we're not, you see. We can be in silence and wait. And then uh, Maya makes its move instead. But it's actually Shiva moving through Maya and changing the situation. And suddenly, the ice that was blocking you melts, and, and the, there's a clear path and you're able to, uh, to move through uh, the, the ocean again without any obstacles. So uh, always be, be ready. And if there is an obstacle, consider it a traffic light. It's a red light, I stop, I meditate, I return to bliss. The light will then be green again and we move forward. It's just that simple, okay? Uh, it's not a question. I actually just um, wanted to respond to your answer just now. I feel like I'm getting a lot of those lessons last. A lot of what? A lot of those lessons that you're just <coughs> describing, like this last week in particular, I think, and realizing like if anything comes up, if I just wait 24 hours, it'll be different, you know? Like, um, yeah, and that it's for the, it, it feels good. There's a goodness that comes out of it. Um, yeah. Good. Shiva does everything. <laughs> we don't do anything. We are puppets in this play. And the more we understand that and accept that role, the puppet yeah. master will take care of us in a, a very uh, beautiful way. Okay? But we have to be mm-hmm. surrendered. Uh-huh. I had just a couple, maybe one other thing to share. You were talking about uh, this being the final exam. Mm-hmm. I was just curious, like I, my mind went to um, in college, in addition to finals, to pass, you had to take exit exams on top of the finals. Mm-hmm. What would that be analogous to? Well, if you want liberation. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it seems like, then what's the final? Maybe the final is getting well, here. the final <laughs> actually will determine uh, your next uh, grade that you go to. Mm-hmm. Or do you have to repeat this one? Or do you get to, to a higher grade? But you can also get liberated and graduate mm-hmm. from the school altogether. So everyone's at a, a different mm-hmm. uh, grade level perhaps but your final will happen whether you're in seventh grade or twelfth grade or whatever uh, you you will you still have to go through your final but not everyone here will have the same final exam and if you're going for liberation you know uh, then mm-hmm. consider that your final exam is going to be very deep and extensive yeah okay thank you
questions? Ah, there's one, okay. I have a question, a comment. Um, first of all, also to, to, to add the gratitude to this teaching and to this sense of momentum or um, in, this, uh, in this moment. And um, the, the, the story of the foot and also the story that Mahalakshmi was telling me reminds me of the story that you tell of the man with his son who then ah, breaks yeah. his leg and he can't go to the army and then, right. you know, that. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but my question is, it feels right now like there's a lot of electricity, more electricity than, than ever mm -hmm. in the room, in, in life. It, there's a, a current. Mm -hmm. What is, what, what is, and a capacity to not feel overwhelmed by mm -hmm. that which, but, but then <clears throat> tomorrow it might be that I feel overwhelmed again. What is, the, what is the mechanism that creates the capacity to feel um, open and alive and uh, to ride the wave rather mm -hmm. than to drown underneath it mm -hmm. because I feel like I don't know myself enough. I'm not contained enough to know that I can always surf. But sometimes I'll wake up and it won't be, I'll just feel, you know, there'll be mild, there'll be projections, or there'll be just a sense of, mm -hmm. yeah, and mm -hmm. I can't. Okay. If you're in the soul state, you're going to be in metanoia. If you're in the ego, you'll be annoyed, period, right? So that's the difference. It's an oscillation between soul consciousness and ego consciousness. And that's what you have to monitor. So if one day you're not feeling good, you've fallen into the ego, I would take a time out, meditate immediately, even if you have to cancel a meeting or whatever, and get out of Maya, get back into the blissful self that you are, and then you'll ride the waves and uh, feel, again, everything is full of electricity, because it is. And, and you'll be tuned in to the right station and you'll be able to move in a very accurate way, all right? But, but immediately, you have to be very vigilant, right? To, to know if you, you've fallen, you've had a negative thought, or there's a symptom, a headache, whatever, what's it about, go to the root of it, uh, if it's a negative thought, remove it immediately. It may be something that wants you to, to change what you're doing, like the foot situation. Okay, I've got to meditate, and, and you do it, and then things will change, and, uh, and, and suddenly you will realize, oh, this had to happen because uh, of all of these other events that will now flow from that. So uh, that's what's happening. We're all being choreographed from a higher state. If you're at that state, you will understand the choreography and you'll dance with it beautifully. If not, there'll be a slight glitch, and then you get back on track, and then everything again is beautiful. Pretty soon, there's no more glitches. You become an expert dancer, and, uh, and then you're flying beyond even the soul in pure Atman consciousness, okay? So that's, the, that's our work. And, uh, and never beat yourself up because you've fallen into the ego. Because then it's worse. Then you're really in the ego and the grip of the superego. You don't want that. Just accept it, learn from it, and bring yourself back into the joy of, of the self that is pure presence. Okay? Thank you. You have another one? Yeah. Yes, you spoke. I thought it was uh, very interesting about the um, desire. 
-hmm. and and the fear and the correlation between desire and fear mm -hmm. in the sense that uh, because of the intensity of the energy I don't know I felt I have I am feeling the energy rise like you said it was mm -hmm. much more electricity or mm -hmm. Shakti or whatever mm -hmm. uh, you define Both. it mm -hmm. and um, so that means that everything seems to be uh, reaching a level of intensity that it had never had before. So potentially, it's a question uh, that I have. So if you're feeling joy, it, it's uh, you're talking about delight, astonishment, etc. Mm -hmm. But if you feel fear, mm -hmm. it's going to haunt you oh, because sure. the fear is augmented. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, is, that, is that correct understanding yeah. of what? And yes, if you feel is. dread, the dread will just you know bring you down and so on. So yes. So the question is, pretty much in the line of, of what uh, you just responded, but maybe just to, again, if there's a, a trace of fear of some sort, um, what do you do with it? You just stop, meditate, and try to identify where does the fear come from? Do you just let it go? You you just acknowledge there is fear that is not you? H how do you, or even desire, same thing. If it's food, oh, I crave for chocolate. You know, why do you crave for a chocolate? Or how do you specifically, and let's say uh, pr in, in, in the practical sense, mm. apply this teaching mm -hmm. to be able to catch yourself before you fall into that, right. you know, energetic right. uh, pull? Okay. Fear thoughts. Fear is always based on a thought. Mm -hmm. And fear thoughts occur only at the ego level. The soul level's thoughts are archetypal and are downloads from Shiva and are never, never have fear. So if there's a fear thought or desire, then they come together. Uh, then uh, you know you're in the ego, for one thing. So you want to surrender your ego to God and, uh, and along with the fear, but not just the fear, because the fear is a symptom that you're at too low a level of consciousness and you're, you're operating from ego mind. If you're an ego mind, your decisions won't be accurate. So you especially cannot afford to be an ego mind. You have to be a soul consciousness. So if that comes up, there has to be an immediate stop, meditate, go into silence, feel the Shakti flow again and the bliss and, and let go of fear and know that all fear is based on illusion. It isn't real. And if you're buying into it and you can't let it go, call me immediately, okay? And if need be a session to uh, deconstruct the belief that underlies this or the system of beliefs that may be supporting this fear. And, and we, we have to get rid of all of it. But that's the purpose of this time period of bringing it all up from the subconscious that we may not know about and, uh, and to purify the entire consciousness so that there is no fear thought left that could come up, okay? And what about desire? It's the same. Desire is always there to counteract fear. Mm -hmm. You want something because you feel lack, mm -hmm. and the lack then brings a sense of fear, right? That's why you would desire food. I'm gonna die, I'm hungry, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's hungry. You can go a long time for it without being hungry in any even ordinary physical sense. So uh, it, it's all about uh, a fear of lack. And if you realize that God has no lack, it's all fullness, it's all beauty, it's all power, then it'll go. But you have to have that total faith and understanding of who's really running the show here. 
If you are at odds with who's running the show, there'll be fear. If you're trying to do this as a rogue element in reality separate from God, it isn't going to work. And then there will be fear and lots of glitches and, uh, and out of control desires because then you'll be in a state of dysregulation because you are out of the alignment with God. That's when addictions happen, okay? So you don't, never want to get to that state. Can I ask a last question? I've been debating these past days. Um, I don't even know like what's happening to my biological family. Like I have no idea. It's irrelevant. But I'm I've glad been you don't care. right. <laughs> well, so so the question is because I've thought about this. Like if I start finding out, I might get pulled in by this whatever their status. I don't know what there is, or their narratives, or their stories, or their is it. Uh, better to actually avoid contact with? There's no reason you need to contact them. When they're in a sufficient amount of quicksand, they will contact you and ask for help getting out of it. So you just be patient. You'll hear from them, I guarantee okay. it. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. On the subject of biological families mm -hmm. um, and people back home, it seems people back in Maya. <laughs> don't go back to Maya. <laughs> I don't want to. Um, it seems like you talked a lot about independence and detachment and sovereignty, and it's one of the most liberating feelings I've ever had. Um, but it also seems like the more I detach, the more they want to attach of course. Um, and suck energy. Um, so how do you, how do you balance that with wanting to give love but not, you know, you having that? You explain to them the Dharma. You are now their teacher. You are at a higher state. That's why they want to suck the energy. They can't get it directly from God. They don't know how. But you have an unlimited source of energy. So don't worry about them sucking it. Don't let them take it from you, however, as an ego. If you, if you remain the person they project you as being, you're sunk, okay? You will be sucked dry. You're not that person. That's an illusion they projected on you. And, and now you've risen above that. Don't fall into that in order to be who they think you are. Realize who you are and give them the energy from God consciousness. That will shock them. They won't know how that happened. But it won't be their daughter who's giving it. It will be the goddess who is giving it, and, and they will then have a different understanding, and you'll be able to teach them how to be in alignment with that power that will keep them safe and serene where they are, okay? And, and so you have to, you know, give them the, the Dharma, and they can only contact you a certain number of times a, a week or a month, and only uh, if they treat you in the proper way and understand and respect the situation of training that you're in right now that requires a lot of solitude and, and uh, a lot of, of, uh, of giving of your time to the reaching of the highest state of consciousness that you're capable of, and, uh, and they're not allowed to try to divert you from that, okay? But you will be glad to offer the graciously the light that you receive and share it with them, but not as their daughter any longer, but now as a manifestation of that divine energy.
So you think I should offer it to them? Because a part of me wants to throw my phone in the ocean. No, but I, would, uh, I wouldn't do that. Uh, no, I, I think there's, a, there's a, a karmic connection. I would honor them, but also you have to honor them in the context of honoring God and, and put limits on their demands. They are not allowed to do that. But at the same time, I think very compassionately help them to rise above their own fear and to realize the truth of, of what you have learned here and share that with them to the extent that they can take it in. And to when they can't anymore and they just want to suck you in illegitimate ways, you say, no, that, that is something I, I cannot allow and I'm gonna create a boundary here for your sake because it's bad karma for you to do this. And, uh, and you'll gradually teach them and, uh, and, and they will respect you and they'll have gratitude that you're willing to be generous toward them and at the same time to put limits on them. You have to raise them now. You are now the, the mother and they are your children and you raise them. But they're not your children that you have to specially take care of. They are just the children of God that everyone is and they are part of the whole. But because you, you have come out of that karmic situation, settle your karma by giving back everything that you can uh, to, to give them the ability to fly if they want to and not to need you for their connection to the source. Okay? Thank you. I don't know if it's useful to share, but the, the Josie question, to share what happened with my family for eight years being here. Mm -hmm. First, they want to talk a lot, and when you start talking about the teachings and what, they actually naturally la leave you alone. <laughs> That's they, true. They, they really leave you alone. They don't want to hear from you. <laughs> so it's pretty, and, and eventually, like right now, they're just saying, I'm happy you're there. Stay there, don't leave. Mm -hmm. Thank you for, for mm -hmm. doing that. And actually, eventually serve the ashram. They have in many ways, like bringing things or mm -hmm. what do you need and, and mm -hmm. just like yeah. practical stuff. Yeah. But they don't ask like, you know, what are you learning or what is <laughs> happening right now with the world? Right. They really have uh, stopped asking because they don't like the answers. Right. So it, it, it's not like from one day to another, but it happens. They really yeah. don't want to. Yeah. yeah, and if they want, they ask, but it hasn't happened to me at least. So. But that could change. Now that things are more extreme and they see that what you've been teaching them is true, they, they may actually want to learn a little bit to, to be able to help themselves deal with this crisis. And that may be true, I think, for you and for, for everyone who has biological family who is now perhaps under lockdown, may suffer food shortages, may suddenly their money is not so valuable anymore. Now they, they will start to turn to God and, and they will recognize that you're on a good path, that you know something they didn't know and they, they will come to want to know it. Sooner or later, everyone's gonna come out of denial. Yeah. No, no, I, I sent them an email like six years ago saying, this is your last chance to move here, the world is going to end, like do it. And they just <laughs> laugh about me. 
So, because I didn't know the timing, and you, you've been teaching it since. So, so they do know, like, so, but it's, it's nice to be able to serve, like, yeah. how that shift uh, is really nice to feel. And, and I don't feel like the daughter, of course, some fragments too, but I feel I can help mm -hmm. in some way, thanks to all, not just me, but all of this. So, so it, it, it's worth it. Okay, <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. Any last questions? Because we're almost out of time. Another one? OK, well, you're allowed. You have a high quota here. So I would like uh, to ask Shunyamurti how he would compassionately explain to someone at this time in Kali Yuga what is happening and how to deal with it. I know we're going to have live streams and we're going to have a series of teachings that will actually address that right we just announced that yesterday but in a in a snippet let's say somebody called what is going on what's how would you respond to that i think it depends on the person on the day on the moment so i i don't have a stock answer uh, to give uh, and, and what, what a person can, uh, can handle. But I would say that uh, there is such a thing as a law of karma, that the, the karma has now hit the fan, right? Uh, as it says in the Bible, you, you sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind kind of thing. The capitalist system has been terribly oppressive, has been um, uh, mistreating mother nature, has been mistreating the human race, has, been, has fallen into corruption, degradation, perversity of every kind, and, and society has now lost all of its legitimacy of authority, all of its glue, all of its uh, energy that can protect it in the, this kind of a situation, and it is moribund, and it is now about to die. And every civilization has a lifespan. This global civilization at the end of Kali Yuga is now at the end of its rope. Its time is nearly up. This is the beginning, not the end of the end, the beginning of the end. But uh, it, it's, uh, it's going to cascade exponentially faster. You must be ready for this. It's all a blessing because God is intervening and not allowing the suffering that the world is in right now to continue. So the, the, this is going to speed up the elimination of this, the current situation that is now out of human control. And we will see that, it, that uh, God's work is going to happen in many other ways. This virus is only one of many uh, different kinds of events, many of which will seem like plagues and catastrophes and cataclysmic uh, uh, terrifying destructions. But they're not. They are the birth pangs of the new world. And the more that we are in alignment with God and recognize that we are children of God and manifestations of that one intelligence, the more that we will be lifted out of suffering and, and out of the illusion that we are in that, that clings to bodily life instead of eternal life. And we will be lifted up into the light and understand everything from God's perspective, and it will all be beautiful, and we will be very happy that this world is ending and a new one is being born. 
So uh, it, I think that it should be easy to explain that to people. But uh, if somebody is very much in their ego, then uh, I wouldn't uh, try to go into all of that because they won't listen to you even. So in cases like that, simply send them blessings, okay? And say, everything is God's will, all is well. Uh, this is a time to pray and to meditate and return to God, and that's the meaning of it, punto, okay? Okay. Well, on that note, we'll end this particular gathering, uh, but we will be having uh, intensive gatherings. Friday evening, I would like to start the book group, and I would like to start with the Zhuangzi book, and we're going to go slowly through the first seven chapters, the inner chapters. We may or may not get to the outer chapters, but uh, let's be prepared to have read at least uh, some of chapter one uh, for, uh, for Friday and uh, really take in the depth of the implications of these little stories and vignettes that Zhuangzi is sharing. They're all very uh, profound teaching tales that are meant to, uh, to break you free of the ego illusion. And I, I think they are um, incomparable masterpieces of wisdom if you read them with the right receptivity. So uh, we will uh, share our, uh, uh, the impact that these stories had and the implications and the, uh, the significance for you personally, for all of us here and now because this voice of wisdom coming from ancient China long ago is extremely relevant for this historic moment that we are going through and is kind of a time capsule that has been waiting for uh, the ability of the um, postmodern intelligence to recognize how much intelligence was present that long ago and uh, how much uh, understanding of the, the kind of decline and fall that was already underway back then uh, in, what, 3500 BC. And it was written during a period when uh, it was the Warring States period, when, when there was a similar but a microcosmic kind of chaos that was going on. And uh, these great sages uh, Lao Tzu, Zhuang Tzu, Guizhi, a number of others, uh, put into writing for the future, specifically, a kind of wisdom that would uh, enable this uh, future, uh, future teachers, actually, to be able to manage the situations that they would face. So most other spiritual books are written for students. This is a teacher's manual. So uh, the, it, you, will, you will learn a great deal that will help all of you to become spiritual teachers. And so take it very seriously as a, a training manual that will help you to, to function as leaders in this time period. Because the world isn't all going to end immediately. The, the virus period will go, the, there will be a lull, and there will be many things to do. And, uh, and much leadership will be required out there 
as well as here. And so uh, we, we have to be able to transmit that knowledge and understanding in a, a much wider, uh, let's say, horizon of, of, of individuals who will be able to get this out there without being at the ashram physically and will be functioning in uh, situations in which the new order will arise uh, throughout the world in many different places. And we will want to share this with everyone and because this is going to be a planetary shift that will require the, uh, let's say, the inclusion and the establishment of a new order that is very large, uh, filled with the, the power of all of those souls, old souls, who are, have the subconscious memories and the sanskaras of having lived back early, in early, early times, before Kali Yuga, even before Zhuangzi, in the earlier yugas, who will be coming awake and needing the kind of information that is going to be shared uh, through these vehicles of wisdom that we'll be reading and that we'll be uh, downloading. So uh, let's understand that what we're taking in is for sharing and for uh, enabling the empowerment of all of those beings in the world who seek to understand and, and use their power to help others who are suffering and who are in states of confusion or conflict. Okay, so thank you all and blessings to you all for Jivan Mukti here and now. Namaste.